Hi, I'm Rachel Gazdick, and this is Formative, the podcast where today's leaders are interviewed by the leaders of tomorrow. This is the very first episode of our show, and I'm so glad that you could join us. I'm the CEO of New York Edge, a not-for-profit organization whose after-school programs foster innovation and creativity in young people at schools across New York City. In this series, we're going to hear some exceptional middle schoolers in conversation with successful adults from a wide variety of fields, business, science, sports, the arts, and more. My co-hosts, who are all between the ages of 11 and 14, will ask our guests about all kinds of things, their childhoods, their inspirations, their regrets, and what they've learned along the way. Our guest today is Caitlin McGaw, a multi-Grammy-nominated musical artist based in Oakland, California. Caitlin is co-founder of Alphabet Rockers, a group that combines performance by professional musicians and exceptional young people to make music that makes change. They've performed at venues including the Kennedy Center, the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture, South by Southwest, and Lollapalooza, in addition to appearances at more than 50 schools every year. There is something that I might need you to do Just because you say we need equality too Will you speak out, step up, and defend my truth? If you do, I'll go She is also the co-author of Alphabet Rocker's first picture book, You Are Not Alone, which celebrates inclusivity, community, and standing up against hate. I'm delighted to have her join us for the inaugural episode of Formative. And now I'd like to introduce you to my co-host, Kevin, a seventh grader and passionate Cleveland Browns fan from MS-127X in the Bronx. Thank you for inviting me. So Kevin, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Can you tell me where you live and where you go to school? I live in Petrister, the Bronx, and uh, my school is MS-127, Castle Hill Middle School. My favorite subject is social studies, and uh, I like to uh, play football, and uh, I usually love spending time with family. It's something I really like to do. So tell us a little bit about why you like social studies. It tells me more about the world, stuff that I didn't know before I was even born. It just gives me knowledge about the environment I live in. Well, Kevin, we have somebody very exciting on the show today that I'm going to bring in, um, two-time Grammy nominee, Caitlin McGaw, who co-leads a remarkable group called the Alphabet Rockers. So, Kevin, I'm going to turn it over to you to take away the show. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, good afternoon, Kate McGraw. How's it going so far? It's good. I'm so excited to meet you and just learn about how you see the world. So... When you were like going through about like high school, middle school, growing up, did you want to like pursue music? Yeah, I did, but I loved sports too. I played ice hockey, I played field hockey, but only because I really wanted to play ice hockey. And um, I loved those experiences. And lucky for me in my high school, they actually had theater and music in the school. Do you have that in your school? I'm not too sure now because of COVID came. So right. like, when I came to middle school, that's when COVID started. Right. You know. Well, if you get the opportunity, just try out for a play or or see what it's like because it, you never know. Like I was actually really shy when I was in elementary school. Like I didn't feel comfortable standing in front of people, and it helped me be confident to speak in front of people. 
Um, and now when I was this age as well, I sometimes got teased for um, my body. Like kids were growing up, you know, people say mean things to you at any, no matter who you are. But uh, when you're on stage, you get seen a lot. And so I had to kind of shed that and just be like, um, it's okay. And I, it's not like it was everyday bullying or anything, but I had to like really believe in myself and say, no, you can be on stage in the body you are. I was just bigger, that's all. And you can sing your song. And even if you're in the choir, sing it. You don't have to be a star, you know, just take part. And so I always knew there was something there with um, music. Actually, to be really honest, once you get the lights on your face and you're on stage, it's a whole nother game because you feel like you're in the, you're in the arena. Yeah. <laughs> It's so fun. And, um, you know, we haven't been able to perform as much during COVID, but you never forget that feeling. So, yeah. All right. You kind of answered my other question right there about have you ever had a feeling where you felt down? Like when nobody was like, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. Like uh, you kind of answered the question right there. So was that like the only moment where you felt down on yourself when people started shutting you down? No, I mean, life's not easy, right? Um, and when you are doing things that are countercultural, so the counterculture means like we are going to, in our group, always point out when racism is happening, when homophobia is happening, when people are being excluded. And sometimes people don't want to do that. Like white uh, folks in particular might just say like, OK, put that away, like stop doing that so we can do what we're here to do. But we won't because uh, that's what we're here to do. <laughs> and so there's been multiple times in my in my life where I've had that happen. And sometimes it's really discouraging. But to be honest, I've never um, gone through something where somebody didn't understand. Everything I've gone through, I would have somebody I could call and they'd say, yeah, it's not right and it's not you. When it gets real down is when you start, when I, for me is when I feel like, okay, I can't get through this, you know, um, it's just me. And you you know you would stand up for your friends, even if it's someone you don't know that well. They're like, I can tell you're having a bad day. What's going on? You share it with them. They share something along the journey that they're, they've had in their life. And then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to confront this or I'm just going to move away from it, you know? I heard that you went to Harvard, right? I sure did. And I graduated. I celebrate it too. <laughs> That's a good thing, uh, celebrating college. How did you view Harvard? Was it like a great school? That's a really good question because I'll, and what you'll know about me as an adult in the world is I'm always really honest. I thought it was going to be this like meeting of like all these brilliant minds. So when I was um, in high school, I loved reading poetry and specifically writers from the black arts movement, which I know you're in social studies, so you'll be devouring like so many great writers that like changed the course of history. And I figured when I got to Harvard and I did um, study African-American studies that everyone on campus would be just as lit up about like this amazing literature. And I found that some people were and a lot of people were not. And so it became um, kind of a place that, you know, still had a lot of white supremacy everywhere. It's like there were still all these gates up and you don't have the keys. And I'm a white woman, too. I grew up like three miles away from Harvard. So I always thought like I'd been there and all these things. But there's all these other things about the school that didn't feel fair to me. But I wasn't alone. And so 
sometimes when you're in a new environment with stuff like that, it's just really helpful to talk about it. So you don't think like, oh, it's something with me. Like, I don't, you know, like that might happen in your school too, where it's like, oh, I think this teacher is actually not really listening to me. If I say it out loud to someone else and they say, hey, I went through that too, then you know, okay, it's not really about me. It's about them. So I kind of did that to get through Harvard. It takes a lot of um, commitment to get yourself all the way through school, no matter what grade it is. So basically what I'm uh, hearing is that there was a lot of, there was some inequality in that school. Yes. So how was the teachers there? Because I really really want to know about Harvard. How was the teachers? Some teachers were really engaging. Like, I don't know if you know um, Dr. Cornell West. He's a poet, writer. I mean, I just consider him a poet because whenever he speaks, people stop what they're doing and they're all, wait, what? And one thing that was really nice about him is when he saw you on campus, he would always say like, how are you, sister? How are you, brother? So you didn't feel like you were just, a, um, you know, invisible, like you actually mattered. So that really felt good to me. And then there were some other teachers that when they read, you know how sometimes you have to write an essay for your class? Yeah. Okay. So you have to do that a lot in college. Sometimes you wonder like, did I make sense? Did this feel good to them? And I had one teacher who would read everyone's essays and then share back what he heard. And it was so nice because you'd think, oh, it's not about like just the professors are the smart ones with the answers. It's like the answers are in the room. Harvard is like a law, a law school, like people become politics, all these other things that involve justice. I haven't actually heard of anybody who went to Harvard and actually became a musician. So I was asking how did that really come to your heart to like, I'm going to become a musician. I, I really want to become this. Thanks for asking that. Yeah, I did feel pretty lonely in the journey. I'll tell you that. Because sometimes like there's a comfort in like a team where we're all working on something together. But when you graduate from college or you want to do something that your friends are not doing, you have to basically create a new team. And so I had to... I haven't really worked within like the Harvard graduate network to become who I am. You know what I mean? Whereas people who are working in politics or law, as you mentioned, or business who went to Harvard, they use that network of people to actually make themselves get to the next level or give them recommendations or all these things that is part of the reason why it's a school of inequality is because if it's only white men who have these jobs, and this influence, then you have to kind of prove yourselves to that to order to get understood and vouched for, you know? So becoming a musician, to me, I always was a musician. Like you were always a, what, a football player, an inquiry, a curious mind. Like these par- these are parts of us. Um, you're invested in your family. These they, That doesn't go away. It just, it becomes a bigger part of how you move through the world. So for me, I was always writing poems. And even when Harvard told me they weren't good enough, I wrote them and I started writing music to them. And when I moved to San Francisco, I had an opportunity to be a nobody, right? To be like literally nobody. <laughs> Same way a lot of people feel who are artists that moved to New York. Like I have to prove myself. I've got to show them who I am. But for me, one of the most beautiful experiences was um, finding a musician who was a singer and he was actually in a play with me and he said you want to learn how to write songs and so I sat with him and he would just his name's Dwayne Caliso 
and he would just play this guitar over and over again. He played one chord and he would just say, sing, Caitlin, sing. And it, it said to me, like, even nobody might believe in you, but if you believe in yourself truly and you find you might find the words and you might find the song and it actually doesn't matter whether you're successful, but that process alone gives you a feeling of life. And it feels like, okay, I'm here now. Like I did something. And um, that's what music kind of showed me was that like when you really clear out all the noise and you take time to write a song and you hear it, it's it becomes something bigger than you. So uh, I heard that you were two-time uh, Grammy nominee, right? Yeah, two-time, but guess what? This morning, Kevin, we got another Grammy nomination. Oh, that's great. That's great. So we're, we're now three-time nominee, right? All right, now yeah. we got to fix that label for uh, YouTube now. You got to fix that label, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, so uh, now what did it inspire you? Like, what makes you get up every morning and do what you have to do? Wow, that is a wise question. It's interesting because I'm very self-driven. I do believe that spirit drives me. Like sometimes I am woken up with intentional spaces to walk in. In the same way that a poem will arrive in your mind or a melody comes to you. It's not always coming from your smarts or your, you know, your experience. Sometimes it just comes from spirit alignment. So that certainly allows me. I lean into what we what I'm here to do. And I think you know, at these times in COVID, sometimes adults, I don't know how young folks have felt, are wondering like, what's my purpose? Because I can't do this anymore and I can't do that. So what am I here to do? And what I know is that like, I want to create for the world that we deserve, that you and I deserve. And so if I need to take a day off from that, it's because it's about rest restoring like, do you ever take a day off where you really let your body relax and then you come back the next day and you're you're better for it? So both of those things are at work. And I have two kids, little two-year-old Jasmine and five-year-old Kiran. And they get me up at five in the morning. So sometimes it's not even my choice. <laughs> As a mother, like, how do you balance uh, working hard, like making music, uh, doing uh, going for now three time uh, Grammy nominee and just like that's a lot of work to be honest I'm not even adult yet I'm hearing about all this stuff it's a lot well it's true I think that um, children come first so there's been some times where my, one of my kids has a runny nose or something well we are all home that day nobody's gonna go out and get anyone sick um, so it's really about flexibility uh, the, the drive to create, I also think simple things like making a commitment, like setting a deadline, being committed to the deadline and then feeling the deadline's important. So then we're, we work backwards from that. Like that's how we write songs sometimes. Oh, we need to get this song done. Let's try to get it done by December 1st. Well, first we need to do this. Then we need to do this. And then we always have space around everything because, Really, like what is urgent is folks getting enough to eat, taking care and feeling loved. And then this work of like working together to make the world a better place is necessary, right? So we don't need to hurt ourselves to make the world better. We can take care 
and also trust that when we need to slow down, somebody else can speed up for us. So that's like, there's a whole lot of us. Myself, I'm so happy to be with you today. My business partner's name is Tommy Solati Shepard, and he has a 14-year-old son, very different rhythm. And then we have other, we have sound engineers, we have video producers, we have folks who help us with scheduling. We have people who come and dance with us. Like there's a lot of different people that show up and inspire the movement forwards. And my kids, my kids get to jump in on that too. (laughs) So Kevin, you know what the big news is going to be for you? Do you know what the big, big news is going to be for you? Uh, No, not at all. You're going to be the podcaster that interviewed Caitlin first when she wins the Grammy. Yep. Don't forget me, please. No. Because she is going to win it this time. I will cheer for you. I I will be on. (laughs) I will. Even if I have to stay up to like uh, three o'clock in the morning, I will stay up and watch that. I would be proud. The album is called All One Tribe and it's 24 black artists and family music sharing songs from all over the country. It's fabulous. And um, I'll make sure y'all get a a link for your classroom to listen. Has there ever been like somebody who was there that always like said, don't care about what other people say. You like you do you, you you become who you want to be. There's so many people. Yeah. I remember in high school, there was one teacher and um, her name's Taika Brand Matthews. Now she was a new teacher. So, you know, teachers have to go through this too. Like, they're new to the school. They're like, I don't, you know, I don't know where we sit. You know, people have their own thing. So she was a little bit of an outsider. And she uh, was the first person I shared my poetry with. And sometimes I wrote about things that my classmates didn't think was important, like especially around gender and racial discrimination. And I remember like being the butt of a joke. You know, I said I spoke up in class and said, hey, that's not cool. I don't like the way you all are acting this scene out. It doesn't feel fair. And, you know, everyone laughed at me, but I was like, I don't really, I kind of didn't care because I was like, I know that in the world it's not right, but y'all have space to be right here. And my, and after class, she pulled me aside and she kind of like let me know that it was worth speaking up and I should put it on my pages too, you know? And that helped me because I didn't, I would have felt like a little bit confused. I don't want to use the word crazy because I feel like that label is not fair, right? Because there are things that are maddening. But I felt like a real outsider with the way I was thinking about things. And so to have a teacher say, it's okay to be outside. You don't have to fit in. That allowed me to say, okay, then what else is a place that I need to lean into being an outsider? All right, so like today, like how do you view society? Well, you know, I'm in the business of really investigating that every day. And so my business is to write music that reflects the world that you and I want to live in. I want to write songs where we hear them together or even individually and we're like, I can do more to be in that world with you. So the way I see things right now, I feel a lot of people are jammed up inside. Folks are just trying to keep it together and they're kind of having a hard time integrating all the lessons of this time. Like we learned a lot about how things are. We learned a lot about the criminal punishment system. We learned and have seen that it is unjust every day. So we don't need to prove that anymore. We don't need to talk about it anymore. We need to make change. 
And we need to listen to those who have brilliant ideas. And you know who might have those ideas is you, actually. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And I mean that. And I, I know we're just meeting now, but like when you see things that doesn't make sense, write it down or share it with someone because you might say, hey, we could do it this way. So we need to make difference in the world where we can change things, make the world actually better and point out things that are not like going right. And you can see other people being put down in their place. So we should actually make a change out of this. I agree. I've seen that you have some kids that make music with you. And uh, like, how did you pick up these kids? Like, where did you find them? Right. How did we get four youth to be able to write and perform with Alphabet Rockers, now three-time Grammy nominees? Well, each of these children, one of them is Tommy's son. So it's really started from him. We'd, we'd play the songs for Tommy when he was three years old. And since you watched our YouTube channel, you might go back to the beginning when we put out a video called The Shape Rap. And he is in the video as a little three-year-old. So, um, but when little Tommy started going to school, kindergarten, um, even preschool, he was hearing racism at school. People were using the N-word, saying untruths about black people, saying untruths about um, people of uh, Mexican heritage, just, you know, nonsense that they were, these kids are hearing from adults in their lives. And Tommy had a best friend whose name is Kali, and Kali always stood by him, stood up with him, used his voice, you know, and we ended up writing music with them when they were in elementary school um, about what he was going through. He's 13 now. So Kali was an alphabet rocker already because he's standing up and using his voice. And now it turns out he also has bars. So I will make sure you get to be one of the first people to listen to one of the songs he's putting on our upcoming album. It's called Games. And he's like saying like, you know, you got to stop playing games with, our, with us as a country. So the other two young folks in the group, one of them's name is Lily Ellis. And she, her mom is a singer in the Bay Area. So she came and sang on an album with us just because I knew she was had a great voice. I'd seen her in concerts. And right away, she also was like, I want to dance. I want to learn all the dance moves that everyone's doing. And it was interesting because you're like, you never are one thing. That's really important to remember. You're never what people say you are. You're everything. And she was like, I'm not just a singer. I'm a dancer. We're like, okay. And she's a great dancer. Same thing goes for our last youth rocker's name is Maya Fleming. Maya was a protege of our choreographer. She met her at nine years old. That means that she's like almost like a shadow of her. Like she, she does all the same greatness. And so we said, Maya, do you want to come dance with us? She said, yes. She learned all the dance moves in one day. Like, who can do that? Right? And she's like nine years old, 10 years old. We were blown away. She's so talented. Then we said, Maya, do you want to sing? She was like, sure. What do you think she can sound like on the microphone? Amazing. And now she's into acting. So she's actually going to be starring in our uh, music video. So that's how we recruited them. But Honestly, if we were in your school, you'd feel like an alphabet rocker, too, because we what we're doing right now is we're connecting, we're trusting each other and we're creating together, even if it's just in sharing ideas. Do you have any aspirations in the arts? Like, do you think you do you write poems at all or how do you like to express yourself? 
Well, for poems, I usually think of it in the head. I'm not really a writer. It usually just comes to the head. I really just think of things that I've done in the past couple of years and then put them all together. And uh, I try to see the progress I I have like done. That's great. You know who writes in their head? Jay-Z. Jay-Z. All of his freestyles he did, like he'd write them in the mirror and he would never write them down. He'd work on them in his mind, which is magical. And you can be a writer without using a pen. So I'm so glad that you have thoughts that are circling around and returning to you. And I, I look forward to hearing you continue to express them. Thank you. Thank you very much. What's your like, what's the, been the best album that you ever made that you feel like this means something to me? This is going to like other people are going to feel like they're going to feel welcome on this song. Like they're going to be like, this is a great song. The one that I come back to is, is Rise Shine, hashtag woke. time you're going to be surprised by this probably but people weren't talking about racism in children's music like there wasn't anything out there and so we went around the country and talked to people and we're like we think that we should be talking about racism and not be afraid of it and if you're afraid of talking about it do the work on yourself but we wrote a song called um i will stand up for you and it was a little bit of my story. Like it had questions in it. Like, do you need help? Can I do more for you? Do I say your name right? Which you saw earlier um, behind the scenes of this call. Like everyone wants to make sure that you are seen and loved and, and you're held up. And who do I stand up for, right? And I think that's really important as a song for the world because no matter who we are and where we are in our journey, there's always more we can do. Like the pandemic has shown us when you go on Zoom, not everybody can understand everything because hearing is different, eyesight is different, um, accessibility is different. Yet, a lot of times adults do conferences in person, right? And there's some folks who can't travel and can't go places. So now our world of adults trying to create connections is stuck with knowing how do we make sure that our programs in person or online or accessible to everybody. So it's kind of like nothing's really separate from, e from each other, right? Racism is not separate from accessibility. It's like everything is interconnected. And so if I do anything right in this lifetime, it will be to move that further along. Uh, to be honest, uh, I think the person you are today is actually brought a lot of love to other, especially children, like making songs for uh, kids expiring them especially like uh i forgot her name though you said it though but you said that now she's uh able to dance and do all these moves and now she wants to be an actor i think you actually uh given the opportunity to dance make songs make music gave her this confidence to actually 
you know, become an actor. I feel like you have made changes in a lot of people's lives. I started finding about you like a couple of weeks ago. Now you've actually inspired me to be a bigger person and do something in life. And I'm really grateful for this. Anybody told you that you're not good enough, just know that you're actually inspiring other people out here. And I'm I'm really thankful. This is coming from the heart. It's not like, oh, I'm just out here just talking to you. I'm really thankful for what you're doing. You're making a, you're making a lot, you're spreading a lot of love. Thank you. Honestly, thank you so much. As a musician, sometimes you don't know if people are listening. So that means a lot. Thank you. This is coming from the heart. I'm serious. This is, you're making a lot of changes. I'm really thankful for that. Thank you. Caitlin, before we go, can you tell us also about your uh, new children's book? Totally. So Tommy and I turned one of our songs, or it inspired, into a book. And it's called You Are Not Alone. And it's for early um, early readers. And the book is really about how all these children know how to take care. They know that they're amazing. And it points out where people have made them feel left out, but how they take care of one another to overcome these situations. And I think you'll really love it. So I'll make sure you get a copy of it. Maybe I'll even autograph it. Um, It was illustrated by Ashley Evans from Georgia. And there's me and Tommy at the top. And it's really beautiful. See that, Kevin? You have more breaking news. She just got the book yesterday. Look at all that you have to talk about at school. If I if she autographs that and I get a copy of that, I would definitely hang it up. That's gonna be like <laughs> the first thing I'm hanging up. I'm right gonna on. keep that for I'm gonna keep that for history. Thank, Thank you so you. much. So I just want to thank you, Caitlin, for being on the show today and uh, and my co-host, Kevin. And uh, we wish you all the best of luck at the Grammys. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Congratulations, by the way. Congratulations. Thanks for listening to Formative. I'm your co-host, Rachel Gazdick, CEO of New York Edge. My co-host today was Kevin from MS-127X in Parkchester, the Bronx. He was coached by Vivian Jimenez. Our guest today was Caitlin McGall. You can hear more of her music at alphabetrockers.com and look for her children's book, You Are Not Alone, at bookstores everywhere. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Race Car. The show is produced and story edited by Charlotte Moore Lambert, post-production and original music by Garrett Tiedemann, production manager Gabriella Montekin, executive producer David Hoffman. Thanks to the whole team here at New York Edge for making this series possible. Never miss an episode of Formative by subscribing to the series at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcast.